Have you wondered about living elsewhere in your retirement? Well, we have almost daily. No, it's not a simple decision, especially when two people are involved. Hi, this is Gil and Jean of Retire There, a podcast about retirement destinations. We live in Brooklyn, New York, having grown up and worked in this area of the country. We're hoping to relocate when we're both retired. For us, it's the weather, the chaos, the noise, and the yearning to be near nature and not within three feet of human beings. <laughs> That's right. In February 2020, we embarked on our journey to find that special place. We spent a week in Winter Park, Florida, which is beautiful, but something said it wasn't for us. As we were planning for the next trip, the pandemic arrived. Jean then gave birth. I gave birth? To this podcast. With so many baby boomers retiring, many must be relocating. Why not connect with and learn from them? Here's a little background about us. I'm Asian, born in Brazil, and grew up in Flatbush, Brooklyn. I'm an engineer turned attorney turned podcaster. I recently retired from a university career practicing higher education law. I love the academic environment, but it was time to do something else. I no longer have to set an alarm, drive in BQE traffic, or work with people who don't always share the same principles. Oh, did I just say that? <laughs> you bet I did. I traded all that in to binge crime dramas into the wee hours just a little bit to develop the podcast, to volunteer, practice metalsmithing, tackle our possessions. No regrets so far, Jane. I'm not Asian, and as Gil mentioned, I'm not retired. I'm just plain tired. Born and raised in Long Island, New York, a place I always wanted to leave. I'm a law librarian working in a court who loves his job, but we're retired by the time we select our ideal location. We will be speaking to folks from across the street to across the globe who have moved to their dream venues and more. So please stay tuned and remember, if you know anyone who has moved anywhere for retirement, let us know. Thank you. Hi there. Today, Retire There checks out Plovdiv, Bulgaria, with our guest, Kathy, who moved there from Spain. This is our second episode covering Bulgaria. In episode 50, we explored living in Pravets. Plovdiv, located in southern Bulgaria on the Maritza River, is the second largest city in the country with a population of about 350,000 in the city and 675,000 in the greater metropolitan area. Culture abounds in the city with museums, art galleries, gardens, a Roman amphitheater, and a Roman stadium. It's also home to the longest pedestrian street. In a TravelAwaits.com article, Vanessa Chiasen noted, If I told you about a European city that's clad in cobblestones and filled with history, one that is part cozy and part chic, where art galleries compete for a sidewalk space, with tiny wine bars, you'd be forgiven for thinking I was talking about Paris or maybe Prague. But the dreamy destination in question is Plovdiv. And now a little about our guest. Kathy, originally from the Chicago area, spent her adult life residing in Madison, Wisconsin and Bloomington, Indiana. While she earned a bachelor's degree in English from the University of Wisconsin-Madison, she believes that the technical job she held as a student proved more valuable than her degree. After graduating from college, Kathy started providing technical support to librarians who were using the first microcomputers, including law libraries. I'm a law library, and I, I don't think I ever met you, Kathy. Eventually, she transitioned into online learning and established her own corporate training business in 2007. Kathy developed a unique model 
wrote a book about it, and transformed her business into a passive income stream by selling online materials that taught the model. She sold the business this year and now enjoys retirement at the age of 62. In 2010, Kathy embarked on a new chapter in her life by leaving the U.S. with only three bags in tow. Her first destination was Merida, Mexico, where she resided for four years. Subsequently, she embarked on a two-year journey of full-time travel exploring Asia, Australia, and Europe. She then spent the next five years in Spain. Since early 2021, Kathy has been bouncing between Spain and Bulgaria until finally setting down in Plovdiv in 2022. Last December, she acquired a spacious, vibrant apartment in Plovdiv, choosing it over the option of purchasing a double-wide trailer on the outskirts of Minneapolis. She's just kidding, we think. According to her, the sunny city of Plovdiv seems to be a much more appealing choice. Gil? Hi, Kathy, and welcome to Retire There. Hi, thanks for having me on. Sure. You've been all over the world. Why settle in Bulgaria and specifically in Plovdiv? When I was a kid in Chicago, I started doing Bulgarian folk dance. There's a big Bulgarian community in Chicago. And there was a lot of, this was in the 1970s, there was a lot of Balkan folk dancing going on. Much of it Bulgarian, but also Macedonian and Greek. And so that introduced me to the music and the dance and some aspects of the culture. And I loved it. It became a big part of my life for the rest of my time in the U.S. for the next 30 years. I did a ton of mostly Bulgarian folk dance. I helped teach it. I would go to workshops. Oh. I learned to play some of the instruments. And so when it came time to retire, I thought, hey, <laughs> I could go back to Bulgarian dancing if I just went to Bulgaria. And I had visited Bulgaria I did a very typical European thing. In the summer, I went to the beach in Bulgaria, to Varna. Oh. And I discovered not only do I like the music and the dance, and I was super happy that I found dancers there, but I also discovered I liked the food. And I liked, very important to me, the way they do streets in Bulgarian cities. There are a lot of street trees. When you're walking down a street, it's like almost sometimes you're walking in a forest. There are so many mature trees. The trees oh. dominate in many neighborhoods. That makes the sidewalks kind of tricky because the roads push <laughs> up the sidewalks and everything. Yeah. But if you like trees, Bulgaria is your country. Wow. wow. I've never heard of that. That's so that. interesting. I love trees. It was way high on my list, especially after spending like five years in Spain, which the part of Spain I was in was kind of tree free. Oh, <laughs> so I got a tree what? deficit. <laughs> a tree grows in Bulgaria. There you go. That's so interesting. So you knew pretty much that this was your retirement home. I decided so on that when I I was trying to make Spain work, but it wasn't a very good cultural fit. And it's not really fair to Spain because I chose it entirely because I speak Spanish. It wasn't uh -huh. like, oh, I love Spanish culture. I love Spanish food. Uh -huh. Kind of, yeah. Mostly it was just a convenience thing. And then, you know, as happens, you get kind of embedded. I got a boyfriend, I got friends. And so yeah. then it became hard to leave. Sure. But at a certain point in my life, I thought, okay, it's getting near retirement time. I no longer have the community. I'd moved to a different part of Spain and it also wasn't working. And I thought, okay, we got to go somewhere else. Oh. And so then it was between Bulgaria and Romania. Romania, again, for linguistic reasons, mostly because it's a romance language. And I can understand a lot of Romanian already. Oh, wow. But Romania does not have enough trees in their cities for me. Oh, so <laughs> And I also, I just prefer the, the Bulgarian music and dance. Nothing against Romanian music and dance. It's very really <laughs> cool as well. Yeah. But the Bulgarian, it speaks to me at a wow. really primal. So you feel home. So I do. I okay. do. I feel very 
comfortable here. And I've, you know, I've been a foreigner everywhere I've been since 2010. And I feel much more at home here than I did in many places. I was pretty comfortable in Mexico as well, because it's, it's American and I spoke the language. And, but here, it's just um, emotionally is a good fit for me oh. somehow. Now, do you speak Bulgarian as well? Uh, at an A2 level. So like maybe a three-year-old, <laughs> I can have basic conversations. But to but me, I'm, that's I'm amazing. <laughs> yeah. A three-year-old that, that you're learning and you probably know so much. It's uh, Cyrillic. They invented Cyrillic. You have to learn how to read Cyrillic first. Oh. But that's that's not very hard. If you like codes, it's kind of like reading, learning a code, and then you feel really smart because it's only you can read all the signs. You don't know what they say, but you can sound them out at least. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So you decided on Bulgaria, and how did you home in on Plovdiv? I am... I've decided I'm a city person. In the last 10 years in the U.S., I lived in the woods. I did the back the back to the land thing. I had a little passive solar house that I heated wow. with wood, and I had a huge garden, and I had to drive everywhere. Wow. And that kind of, I, you know, it showed me how great it is to live in the woods. But at the same time, I didn't like depending on my car, and I didn't like the social isolation. Sure. And as I got older, you know, especially living in Spain where everything can be delivered, I discovered how amazing it is <laughs> that everything <laughs> can be delivered. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? The new life. So I thought it's going to be a city in Bulgaria, and that leaves Sofia. Plovdiv and Varna were really my three choices. Varna is on the Black Sea coast. So if you like a beach, a lot of people are drawn to Varna or Burgas, which is also on the coast. Okay. I did not like the humidity there. I'm an anti-humidity person now. <laughs> Sofia is much more like a big city. It doesn't have quite as much. What is that show? House Hunters International. They're always yeah. looking for the Spanish charm, the French yes. charm. Okay, right. Sofia doesn't have a lot of Bulgarian charm. <laughs> Plovdiv does. Plovdiv oh. has a lot of um, traditional buildings. There's even an old town on one of the, we're down to, I think, three hills. But on one of the many hills in Plovdiv is the original old town, the old center of Plovdiv, okay. with beautiful, restored old homes. And then also in the downtown, like along that pedestrian street, there's also buildings that look Bulgarian. You know you're in Bulgaria. And there's a lot of traditional music and dance, part of the city life. Even walking down the pedestrian street, you'll find somebody playing bagpipe or playing another traditional instrument. And every Sunday, we have folk dancing in the main square. And there's a ton of dance groups. And there's a school of folk music. So if I want to learn one of the instruments for real, mm -hmm. I could go there. <laughs> wow. So, and also, it attracts a younger crowd. So a lot of digital nomad types will come uh, to Plovdiv or they'll okay. go to Bansko, which is in the mountains, which is another option, but it's too small for me. And so when you go to like expat gatherings and everything, it's not a not that I have anything against retired people like myself, but it's not <laughs> it's not right. like 100 percent retired people complaining about things. Yes, <laughs> there's, yes. there's yeah. a sort of a mix of ages and yes. there are people. And also another point for Bulgaria is the type of expat that it attracts, because you have to be kind of an unusual person to go to Bulgaria to live if you, you're from the West. Mm. So you're, you're more, maybe a little more daring. Maybe you've been around the block a little bit. You've, mm. you've done the Spain thing. <laughs> you've done the France Interesting. thing. Interesting, right. Yeah. So they make for, it's a very international community. We have people from the Baltics, from all over Europe, some Americans, some people from Latin America, Argentines, I've met a Mexican. Nice. So it's a very interesting combination of people. 
Okay, so how did you go about finding housing? Wait, can I ask a question first? Yeah. Are you Bulgarian at all? <laughs> no, not no. at all. <laughs> okay, okay. I, I was I was just curious because the Bulgarian dance. Okay. Oh, okay. People keep asking me that, like, it's a strange obsession to have, but there are other Americans like me who are, are obsessed with Bulgarian dance, and some of them do move here. I've yeah. heard wow. of them. They're sort of like... Interesting. Wow. It's a thing. Stories. It's yeah. a thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, Absolutely. And, and are there a lot of expats there? You know, I don't know the number, but when you go to an expat gathering, there can be anywhere from like... 10 to, I think the thing I'm going to tonight, we'll probably have like 40 or 50. Oh, And they're not all expats because a lot of Bulgarians speak English and they like to meet foreigners or a lot of Bulgarians lived abroad. And now there's a nice change happening where Bulgarians who once moved abroad for jobs are coming back to Bulgaria Mm -hmm. because Bulgaria has developed enough that the economy's improved, the job situation has improved. And people who, for example, have gone to England discover that, you know, maybe the healthcare isn't great, especially right now, it's sort of struggling. And they discover, you know, they can come back to Bulgaria for their healthcare and get it quickly and you know, without all the waiting that the NHS has. And that makes them look at Bulgaria again, saying, hey, it's really improved since oh. I left 20 years ago. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Okay. Um, yeah, we, we are going to definitely talk about healthcare, but let's talk about housing first. Okay. Uh, so tell us how you found your home. Do you rent? Did you buy? I bought, but after renting quite a bit, I was bouncing between Spain and Bulgaria. So I spent about five months visiting Plovdiv and I would rent a series of short-term apartments. So I would rent an apartment for three or four weeks and then move to another one. So I could try out different neighborhoods in Plovdiv Ah. and different types of apartments. Oh, I like that. And my experience from Spain was that modern construction is can be kind of crappy. The walls are thin. You hear your neighbor. It might look shiny. Like you have shiny chrome handles, but you touch it and it falls off. (laughs) So that was my experience in Spain. And it was my experience at Plovdiv. So I learned pretty quickly that I want an old building, what's affectionately called a kami block, which would be one of those big, ugly buildings. I I don't think they're ugly. I think they are humble, modest buildings (laughs) that have very thick walls, super thick brick, solid brick walls, big apartments. They are not pretty on the outside. They don't look impressive. But when you buy one on the inside, you can do all sorts of really cool things. And so some of the best apartments I stayed in were renovated Tommy blocks. So that's what I ended up doing. (laughs) I decided I need a Tommy block apartment. And I had narrowed down the area of town that I liked. And so then I got a realtor who spoke English and he helped me and I bought an apartment. Wow, that's very smart. I mean, you know, instead of just like plopping on a place and then checking out, you you did the right thing. Yeah. Well, you know how about, I've you're been an at expert. This for a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Twenty ten. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you share the pricing with us? Before I share the pricing, I want to like one of the attractions of Bulgaria for Westerners is that it's considered less expensive than Western Europe. But I want to put that in perspective and say that. For example, I think it's Plovdiv where I got these numbers from. The median salary for a white collar worker, you know, somebody like I would have been, is about twenty-two to twenty-three thousand dollars. Okay. So with that, anybody with a retirement income of that much, they're going to live pretty nicely. They're going to have a middle class, upper middle class existence. So if you just have like the standard social security check, that's often like twenty-two thousand. So you'd be okay. Mm-hmm. And that's reflected, that low salary is also reflected in lower costs of housing. So a typical price for an apartment 
is about 1,000 to 1,100 euros per square meter. I know that the currency, the exchange is, in Bulgaria, it's called Lev, L-E-V, as in Victor. And as of yesterday, one U.S. dollar equals 1.83 Bulgarian Lev. Yeah, Yeah. the Lev is tied to the euro. So it's basically, if you cut the Lev price in half, it tells you how many euros it would cost. Oh. And real estate is priced often in euros. Okay. It depends. If you're looking at like a, in a city, a big apartment, it's going to be priced in euros. If okay. you're looking at a village house, which is much cheaper, it might be priced in level. You don't know. Depends. Oh. No, I wasn't sure what currency we would be discussing today for the purposes of our audience. So, <laughs> it's a mix you know. of currencies. Okay. And- so, I mean, if so, we talk euro, it's a lot easier. So, so- the, the lev is double the euro? Basically, yes. Yeah. So that's about the same, I guess, today's it's, price. Yeah, it's not a, it's not the same anymore as the dollar, but it's pretty close. Right, and right. So okay. Like for, okay, for the price that, at least when I was buying, $106 per square foot oh, is sort nice. of the price you're aiming at. And that's for an older apartment, you know, considered more valuable, basically. It's a higher quality experience mm-hmm. <laughs> living in them. Yeah. There are new shiny apartments that are being built all over the place because the population is growing. Those are possibly cheaper to buy, but mm-hmm. also more cheaply built and also smaller. They, they keep building these small sort of, uh, they're like living in a corridor. You have mm-hmm. one window on one side and one window on the other. And it's like yeah. any small modern apartment in any country. Right. How many bedrooms would that consist of? Well, if they were doing like a two bedrooms, one and a half baths, I have this big, sunny wow. living room, dining room combination. I have a functional kitchen, which you may not always get from an old apartment. Right. A big terraza. It's like a bigger than a balcony, more useful. Like another living space. And that was, when I bought it, $121,000. Wow, that is amazing. So, and, yeah. I, and I have to tell you, the audience isn't able to see this, but just from our view of your room, it seems very modern. I mean, not the shiny, whatever, those windows and the walls. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't even know where these you... These are new windows. Yeah. So, yeah these the are really nice windows. Yeah. windows. Ah, wow. Okay. Yeah, you look like you're in America. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. I've got really thick, sturdy walls. No, no. Yeah, true, true, true. And the yeah. minute you go outside the apartment, you realize you're in an old building. Are you on one floor? Yes, it's just it's a one floor apartment, the fifth okay. floor. It would be by American standards close to the sixth floor. You go up a flight of stairs to get to the first floor. Okay, so it's a walk up? No, it's an elevator. Oh, oh nice. Okay, because I got it's a, a little <laughs> scary, scary elevator by American standards, but you get used to it really quickly. Sure, sure. Hey, look, it, it allows you to carry bags of food or whatever you may need, you know, instead of yes. walking up. And especially as we get older, we're about the same age, Kathy, you and I, I think climbing those stairs are so rough on the knees and my knees are getting worse these days. <laughs> <laughs> So that sounds very sizable and very doable. That's what most people would recommend. But uh-huh. you know, rent first. Make sure you you, you like which kind right. of apartment you like because there's basically two. You've got the new ones and the old ones. Sure. There's also a whole other group of expats that come to Bulgaria because they want to buy a village house. They want to live in the country and you know go back to the land and everything. And that can be amazingly inexpensive by Western standards. Like, let's see, within 20 minutes of Plovdiv in yeah. villages, I did a little research, 21,000 euros for a 50 square meter, 538 square foot, one bedroom house, okay. which you could live in. I mean, wow. yeah, it needs work, but you could move in. Huh. Or you could go the other extreme (laughs) 
And you can live in what's called the Beverly Hills of Plovdiv. And you <laughs> can pay like 188,000 up to 600,000 euro for a villa, you know, a freestanding house with multiple stories, three or four bedrooms, three wow. baths, maybe a swimming pool, all of that sort of thing. Wow. So if you want the fancy stuff, you can get it pretty much outside of Plovdiv. Plovdiv itself is very densely developed. Mm -hmm. And so you're not going to get a freestanding house with a yard, an apartment or a flat in mm -hmm. a house. But it sounds very sizable for one person. I mean, I think it's comfortable and you don't get claustrophobic. You can go from room to room at least. That sounds wonderful. Now, are you walking distance to the city center or are you kind of there? I am outside the city center because when I rented in the city center, it was a little more dense than I wanted. So I am in a neighborhood near the biggest park. There's a park that's sort of the size of a small forest. Oh. So I'm near that. So I can cross the street and I'm uh, a big forest. Oh, that's, that's so really nice. Wow. <laughs> Sounds of that. You know, and on the other I side could... of me is a park. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Because if I could live in Muir Woods, I would. <laughs> but I'd like to have some people around because Muir Woods, you know, any park at night, you can conjure up if you're very creative. <laughs> you, you can City girls. Yeah. yeah that's <laughs> being the city girl that I am. Okay. But it's walking distance. I mean, again, I'm in an apartment in a whole complex of apartment buildings. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's dense where I am, but not as dense as in the center. So less traffic, fewer people, so okay. just a little less noise. And okay. to walk to the nearest grocery store is six minutes. Uh, and because oh, we're in all of these apartment blocks, there's all these pedestrian paths. You don't have to walk on a street. The very cool thing about Tommy blocks is mm -hmm. that they're designed for the pedestrian in mind. So often on the first floor, there are shops. And each block of apartments connects to the next block with like a little pedestrian path, often going through a little park, a little informal, possibly scruffy park, a little <laughs> park. We have like gorilla gardeners, neighbors who just decide, I'm going to plant a garden here and we get a garden. So it's oh. that's the kind of thing I like where it's not super regimented and super planned. Yeah. A little yeah. scruffy, a little a little loose. Yeah. No, it <laughs> but sounds still, wonderful. Right. You're in Europe with all of the European things, walking distance to... Two pharmacies, a grocery store, coffee for you, uh, <laughs> at a pastry shop, right? A uh, right. little fruteria. I don't know what you call that. A vegetable store, a little hardware yeah. store. All of that's just six minutes away. Oh, okay. And you then to get downtown. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I could tell you. You've listened to some of our episodes. That I need. <laughs> I'm, I'm, <laughs> I need. I need to walk to a coffee shop. <laughs> well, another cool thing about Plovdiv and Bulgaria in general is they really like coffee to the extent that there are coffee machines ah. and almost every corner. If you want a coffee and you don't have one in your apartment, you can maybe walk two doors down and there's a machine with actually decent oh. quality coffee in it. But yeah. it's a machine. You're not in a cafe. That's so funny. But now, then to get to the center, yeah. I can take a bus. And the, the bus is, what, maybe 12 minutes, 15 minutes to get to the center? Okay. Or I can walk. And if I walk, it's anywhere from 25 to 40 minutes, depending on which part of the center I'm going to. Oh, that's not bad, though. That's yeah. not bad at all. And plus, you get all your steps in. So, <laughs> you know, so you don't you don't need a car. No. Although, if you want to explore the villages mm -hmm. and like drive to the mountains or something, there is public transport here. It's better than probably in the U.S., but it's a little patchy. So if I want to go to a festival in a village somewhere, it can be a real challenge to get myself there on public transport. Okay. Is there a train system at all? Yeah, there's trains. They are slow and 
maybe the air conditioning doesn't always work. <laughs> maybe the heat doesn't work as well as you might hope. But there are definitely trains, certainly more than the U.S. and more than Mexico, but okay. not as nice as in Spain. But I could conceivably take a train like to Vienna by way of Bucharest and Budapest and all of that. Oh, you could. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. We forgot to ask you about property taxes. You know, I haven't paid property taxes yet, but I looked at what people <laughs> are charged. And I think it's like worst case, $300 for me, something like that. Wow. Okay. Okay. Oh, and there's an HOA fee for my apartment too. That's $5 a month. <laughs> oh, did you say five? Five. Oh, Lord. What do you get for that $5? What, what, what's the A nice lady you? who cleans the stairway. Oh, wow. That's so great. That's amazing. Kathy, could you tell us about what the rent looks like in the area? It's interesting. It's an interesting situation. There are certainly are places to rent. There are maybe fewer places than in other places I've been because something like 85% of Bulgarians own their homes. Wow. Wow. That's right. own their apartments, often their apartments. Okay. So renting is something you do as part of your life until you can buy. And so a lot of the things, at least in Plovdiv, when I was sort of catching up on what's available, they're one bedroom apartments and they might be in the newer buildings and your rent would be like 350 to 400 dollars for 50 wow that's nice oh my goodness <laughs> well i assume you can rent under six months uh, yeah, at a you time can, or yeah i used um booking.com to find ah. places rather than airbnb but that's okay. a personal thing yeah, that's a good idea. And by the way, I just want to repeat what you said, which I think is really smart for people to do. And that is, you know, you look at the country's income, you look at what the annual average salaries are in the area, and that can give you a sense of what the living costs might be. I hadn't thought of it quite that way, but that makes a lot of sense. But but the problem in some countries is that expats come in and exactly. when a lot of expats yeah, come in, they, they come in, up the yeah, they blow up the price and they make it horrible for the locals, which, right, which is right. a bad thing. But it doesn't sound like that's a problem there. Well, I'm, I hope it doesn't become one. And I was actually thinking, should I even do this? Because foreigners who live here can be kind of protective of Plovdiv because that is exactly what we don't want to see happen. You know, some people, especially the types of expats that buy the country homes, they say all over the internet, oh, it's so cheap. It's so amazingly cheap. Mm -hmm. From the Bulgarian perspective, no, it is not cheap. Right. So it's not exactly sensitive to say that. And so I, I, that's why I like to recommend that people say, imagine that you make $22,000 a year, okay? Right. And you want to buy an apartment that's $121,000. That's a, that's a stretch. That is a stretch. It's not sure. amazingly cheap. Mm -hmm. It's a stretch. Right. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I, the context is very important. I absolutely yeah. agree that agree with that. So can we talk about healthcare for a minute? You traveled all over in the last 13 years. You haven't been in the U.S. per se. Did you purchase travel insurance or how did you maneuver all that throughout your travels? When I lived in Mexico, I bought private insurance. And right. so I paid a premium every month. I can't remember what it was. And then I also paid out of pocket for care, right. which was affordable in Mexico. And I got excellent treatment. In Spain, I also paid private insurance, which was like 97 euros a month nice compared mm -hmm. to the 475 i paid in the u.s as a self-employed person <laughs> yeah yeah and that was fine a lot of people praise the healthcare in spain and i can say yes it, it was good in many ways but it also seemed sort of atomized and rushed where you, you would get like 10 hurried minutes with a doctor who was so super specialized that they could only talk about your left elbow and they couldn't talk about your right wrist that's exaggerating but that was sort of the feeling so you 
had all these different appointments. If you just had one systemic thing, I have arthritis mm-hmm. and I had to go to the traumatologo, traumatologo, <laughs> some other ologo. <laughs> so it was, oh, it was too much. Okay. Um, in Bulgaria, it's the same thing. There's a public system right. and a private insurance private system. So when you immigrate as a foreigner, you're required to have private insurance. And I think mine cost less than $200 for a year for this private insurance, which covers up to $30,000 worth of emergency expenses in Bulgaria. So it's not going to cover my preventive stuff. And you might say $30,000, it's nothing. You know, it's actually quite a bit because like in Spain or in Mexico, the healthcare is cheaper here than in the U.S. And so I go to private doctors for stuff. I am just paying out of pocket because it doesn't, I did have an eye emergency that conceivably the insurance would pay for, but it only cost me $25. And I thought, wow. okay, $25 out of pocket versus hours submitting forms. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> right, yeah. right. No competition. I'm sure that's how the insurance company makes money. <laughs> Every little step, they make money. In terms of finding a physician, how did you go about doing that? Talking to expats or research or both? Both. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a sort of a hitch in that if you're in the private system, it's hard for you to find a general practitioner. And so you ask around, is there a general practitioner? Because somehow this is tied to the public system. And as an immigrant, I'm not in the public system. Mm-hmm. I could be, I think, in various years, especially if I pay into it as during my temporary residency. I don't quite get it. I'm happy in the private system. I don't really care. Okay. <laughs> but sure. the main challenge is if you want to like be the person who goes to a GP first and you say, I have this vague thing, and then he refers you or she refers you on to something else. That's a little tricky as a foreigner here. But most of the time, what you do is you think, okay, I like I had a what could have been a detached retina, which I've had before. And I knew exactly I'd already had a short list of places to go. And I just sure I actually got on the bus and I went to the place for the eye thing. And then later on I found another ophthalmologist who speaks English for follow-up appointments. So you just sort of know or make up a list beforehand in case you need it of who is the English speaking specialist for all these various things. Okay. So if something comes up then you can get online and make an appointment through this website that also has reviews of the doctors. And it's always good, I guess, to find recommendations because, you know, we're unable to, like you must know, we do massive research in the U.S. and in New York because there's so many specialties. You don't want to have (laughs) to spend hours with one only to find that, oh, it should have been this other one. You know, I remember we did that with our son. He has like cold hands a lot. So, you know, we went to a neurologist, we went to a rheumatologist and he was so frustrated. He said, I'm fine, I'm fine. He said, but we need to find out what it is in case, in case it needs to be treated. You know, in a foreign country, that's what scares me. What if I have something and A, I don't speak the language and B, I have to traipse all over to find a specialist. And once I'm there, because someone said, oh, I think you need to see X. And it turns out you really needed to see Y. You would feel so frustrated and fearful, right? So it is a a challenge. Yeah. And one good thing about Bulgaria's location is that it's close to Turkey. And a lot of Bulgarians and foreigners will go to Turkey for medical care because Mm. Turkey is a medical tourism destination. They have some really respected hospitals and clinics, especially for cosmetic procedures. 
procedures, but also for other things. Okay. Or I had a Bulgarian friend who went to Israel for treatment for her son because mm-hmm. the Bulgarian doctors wanted to do the thing you always do, but this place in Israel would do the more advanced thing. Oh. So there's also mixed reports. This is the, the main sort of question mark about Bulgaria for me still is the quality of the hospitals. Mm. Some people say, oh, they're fine. They just look a little rough on the edges, but they're fine. And I think, okay, that was the case in Mexico. It looked a little rough, but I got great treatment. Or they say, it's filthy. You'll get a horrible infection. Treatment is bad. You have to bring your own food. So there are these range of stories. And Mm -hmm. so you have to ask around. If you're going to have something done in a hospital, you ask around, which is the best hospital for this? And you ask foreigners and Bulgarians. Ah, very smart. But you also can go elsewhere for treatment. I got a hip replacement and I went to Lithuania for that. Oh, wow. Wow. Goodness. What's the travel distance to Turkey? I think you can drive there in like two or three. I've never been. Okay. Okay. You can drive there. Yeah. But I would fly because Plovdiv Airport, Plovdiv has a small airport with direct flights to Istanbul Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. to a couple of other locations in the UK and in Germany. Okay. And then we're also an hour and a half from the Sofia airport, which is what I I tend to use. Okay. And that, that goes to a lot of places. Okay. Okay. I was just thinking in the event of an emergency, I would make sure that I was also near a hospital that could take me. I'm assuming you're near that kind of hospital. I would call a cab or something. And <laughs> yeah, and yeah, there's all sorts of hospitals here with okay. varying degrees of reviews. Okay. And, okay. And the hospitals are all public? Are they private? There, there are both. There's public and private. There's also a medical school here. So there is, there's oh. a lot of medical students. Nice. So you could become somebody's guinea pig, I guess, if you wanted to. <laughs> there's a dental school. A lot of people go for free dental treatment because right. the dental, dental students need to practice. Sure. Right. Right. Okay. But Um, I've been very, um, with the private medical care I've gotten, I've been very happy with the quality. I had this exact same situation with my eye in Spain, and that was treated very well. And then in Bulgaria, I had the same thing with the other eye, and I got exactly the same treatment at the same quality and shiny new ophthalmology (laughs) places, and it costs less. (laughs) Oh, very nice. Okay, that's good to know. What about getting a visa? Was that complicated? It is relatively easy if you have a government pension. So if you're receiving Social Security, you get a letter from Social Security that says this person is eligible for X amount per month and it gets apostilled, officially stamped and everything. That works. They don't have the kind of retirement visa where you just say, look how much money I have. I can support myself. They don't have that. They don't trust you. (laughs) They want to see a government providing you a steady pension. Some people have done it with a private annuity. If they have an annuity that pays every month, some have been able to come in on a retirement visa that way. I have a business visa. When I renew, I'll renew for a retirement visa. But when I came here, I had a business. And that is, if you have an established business of two years or more, then you can open what's called a trade representative office in Bulgaria to try to find contacts in Bulgaria to grow your business in in the region. And that is a little more complicated because you need to get all your incorporation documents and various other things. But either way, I recommend people hire a lawyer and they just tell you what you need to do and where you need to do it. And they go with you to immigration in case there are any problems. And so I'm a little confused. You say a government pension will work, mm-hmm. but you say social security, but those are two different things. Okay. Government, any steady deposit of money on a retirement basis from a government. So either through government employment or Social Security that you've paid into that 
You need some kind of some kind of annual income, and it sounds like it's better if it's from government. Is that correct? Yeah, it has to be monthly, and it has to be ideally from a government. Although I have heard of people using a private annuity for that. Oh, okay, okay, okay. okay. that makes sense. Have you established your banking in Europe or since Social Security stems from the U.S.? I know we've had some guests who have kept accounts in the United States, but you, you've you traveled a lot and it sounds like you're comfortable in all these places. So do you recommend maintaining banking back in the U.S.? I do. It depends on what your goals are. For me, it's just a matter of having money in different places. So if one place crashes for whatever reason or there's an issue, I still Mm. have access to others. For the visa to get to Bulgaria, you do have to have a Bulgarian bank account. And that can be a hurdle if you're an American. As in elsewhere in Europe, banks are required to file extra paperwork for Americans because our U.S. government wants to know all sorts of things about you. So a lot of banks just make it simpler on themselves and say, no, Americans. But I found a bank in Bulgaria that would accept me, me and my immigration lawyer. After going to six different banks, we found one (laughs) that would accept me. It's a challenge. But once you get that account, you just hang on to it. You keep at least whatever the minimum amount is that the Mm -hmm. immigration office wants you to keep in there. You keep that in there and they will look at it when it's time for you to You said something earlier that with the other banks didn't work because you couldn't establish that. I'm sorry. Because um, there's a the U.S. government wants to know the bank balances of Americans abroad. Oh, the U.S. government. Yes. It's a filing requirement that they impose on international banks. Uh, And it has become increasingly difficult in Europe as an American to get a bank account because of that ruling. Oh, Because what bank would want you as a customer if they have to file all this paperwork? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also they have really, they're threatened with really severe fines if they don't do it or if they screw up. Oh, wow. And you are too, if you screw up. You don't file this thing. Wow. Wow, That's a new thing to our show, Kathy. Thank you. We're not aware of this. I can't remember the name of the act, but I think it's no. related to the FATCA, F-A-T-C-A, but I'm not sure. Okay. No, no, no. That's really good to know. And it's good to, like you said, find a lawyer who's familiar, you know, with this territory and you'll go a long way instead of finding a lawyer who's not, <laughs> you know, and stumbling with you and paying you all sorts of, or, or you paying him all sorts of charges. Let's move on. What do you think of the general cost of living in Bulgaria? For me, it's been Great. Since I am retired now, I don't have the money coming in from my business. Again, if we picture ourselves as making 22000 US a year, the food is not cheap. At least the food I buy, I'm, I'm kind of a, a foodie. But even like if you just go to a normal grocery store, strangely, the prices here are the same as they were in Spain, but the overall income is less. So I think it's tough on Bulgarian families. Wow. But for me, it's fine. There's an online grocery service that I am pathetically addicted to where I order all my groceries from this place now because in addition to all the normal food, they have like grass-fed beef from local farms, organic veggies, fresh luggage. You know, if you need fresh luggage for your recipe, they will deliver it to your door. A nice young man will bring you bags of groceries. Where are they based? They are based both in Plovdiv and Sofia. So if you live in Sofia, Plovdiv, or Pasovjik in between, you can get this service. So you can have this service every week, I guess. Every day if I wanted to, but (laughs) that's too embarrassing. Okay, they're close enough. So, So it's a really good thing to know because you don't have to then rely on the markets, you know, 
know, nearby or whatever. You get and the lugging same freshness. bags home and everything. Yeah. It's yeah, the same freshness. Exactly and, yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh, it's great. Yeah. I, yeah. When I had my hip surgery, it was really hard for me to walk even just to the grocery store. Sure. So it was a, it was a lifesaver. Okay. Do you shop at all for local items, you know? I do, yeah. Okay. Well, I like, I buy local food from the online service. I, mm-hmm. I focus on buying Bulgarian meat and Bulgarian cheese, but also in the grocery store. Yeah, I go to, I went to the grocery store yesterday because I ran out of filo dough and sirene, the yeah. like <laughs> cheese. And all the basics that you need, you need filo. Yeah, of course you need filo <laughs> dough. I want to go to her house and eat. Sounds like she, sounds like she eats well, Gil. I eat very, very well. <laughs> what about the restaurants? I mean, you know, my favorite question, can you eat out or do you think that you have to cook more? You can eat out. What I would recommend, if somebody prefers a very sophisticated dining experience, that they will be disappointed because the main complaint that I hear from foreigners here is that they don't like the service in the Bulgarian restaurants. And if they go to a restaurant that serves non-Bulgarian food, especially if it's sort of like a hipster food, it, <laughs> it might be disappointing because you might be expecting, oh, here's an Italian restaurant. I'm going to get some great panna cotta. Now you're going to get maybe a panna cotta that came in plastic from the grocery <laughs> store. <laughs> you know, that kind of, yeah. it, it depends. There are good restaurants. Um, people, I can imagine people yelling at me. There are very good restaurants in Plovdiv, but the service is going to be a different quality. I had no trouble adjusting because in Spain, the service can also be a little um, indifferent. Mm -hmm. But also in Bulgaria, maybe your food isn't as hot as you'd like. And so you might want to say, hey, could you heat this up? Mm -hmm. I'm happy because I don't have those standards. (laughs) And I really like Bulgarian traditional food. Just like in Spain, where you can go out for a cheap lunch at a typical Spanish taverna. Here, you can go to what's like a taverna, Mejana and order a Bulgarian lunch cheap for like literally $3.50, wow. $4 your lunch. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're paying $3.50 to $4 for your lunch, you cannot complain. It's, <laughs> it, yeah. it's tasty. I'm happy. Fine. Yeah. What does that include? Not as much as the Spanish lunch, which mm-hmm. usually included a soup, main course, and a dessert, and a coffee. Here you get like wow. your three fifty will get you a plate full of oxtail stew or something. Oh. Or um, <laughs> <laughs> I was excited. <laughs> they're also they're very much into barbecuing. It's one thing I like about Bulgaria. So you get some barbecued meat and some vegetables, like uh, tomatoes and cucumbers on the side, or cabbage oh. on the side. Oh, that's interesting that they're into barbecuing because a lot of countries think barbecuing is barbaric. You know, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that. Uh, well, we're some, in, we're some in the countries. Balkans, so uh, very Balkan yeah. food. Lots of barbecue, <laughs> yeah. lots of sausage. Yeah, they don't have a problem with that. They have a whole <laughs> Roman amphitheater. Can you imagine? They probably barbecue all day. Okay, this is very interesting. Good to know. And we've heard there are some good Middle Eastern food there. You find that the case? Yeah, there's uh, several Turkish restaurants. There, my One of my favorite cafes is a little Turkish cafe where you can get Turkish sweets, Turkish desserts, coffee. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, Bulgarian food, if you're familiar with Turkish food, Bulgarian food might seem like a heartier version of Turkish. Or, wow. You know, Serbian food is kind of related to that. There's also overlap with Greek. I've been cooking a lot with filo dough lately. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I noticed that the rest recipes I'm getting from Greek places are very similar to what I'm eating here. Okay. It's called banitsa or something. So it's very, it can be very similar. Okay. So Jean, I think you would survive there. Yes. We're in the capital of Middle Eastern food here. So we have very good, authentic yeah, great uh, Turkish, Turkish food, yeah. and Greek. What about, I mean, you're, you're kind of in a metropolitan area. What about Asian food? <laughs> Learn to cook. Oh, that was the answer. I got the answer. Learn to cook, she said. Okay. Okay. No, no, no. I, you know, I'm not surprised. I just thought I'd ask. 
it's an Indian fine. restaurant um, mm-hmm. that has gotten mixed reviews. And I love Indian food, but I also cook it myself, so I just cook it. Okay. Um, okay. There is, I should say, um, one of the appeals of Plovdiv, especially to the younger crowd, is this hipster zone called Kapana, oh. which is a sort of maze of little cobblestone streets with lots of little restaurants. And so if you want to have like a bao bun, but it's going to be a creative one. It's not going to be traditional. Yeah, yeah. You can go to one of these little restaurants and they'll be experimenting with fusion food of various types. Oh, but it's not nice. going to be like, yay, here's some real Vietnamese food. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. What, what's the area called again? Papana. A-A-P-A-N-A. Oh, very nice. That, I, I'd be checking that out. It's very quaint. <laughs> I, I it, have, I've had so many different bows, it doesn't matter. <laughs> The okay. one I had was way too sweet. I thought, nah, no. Nah. Ah, really? <laughs> yeah, they tend to put, I don't know why, What? what's with the uh, sugar, but the Chinese don't really use that much sugar, but it, the Americanized Chinese food, there's a lot of sugar. And the other My- thing too is you're in Europe here. So mm-hmm. the spicy food is not as common, not as not preferred. Yeah. Even in Bulgaria, which has a spicy, it has a spicy sort of chutney that you yeah. can get with your sausage. <laughs> Spicy food in general is not a thing. Okay. All right, let's move on to the weather. What's the weather like in Plovdiv? Yeah, do you need an air conditioner? You know, last summer I did not. Even though I was working hard on my apartment, I I just got drenched in sweat. Most people would want an air conditioner, and you definitely need heating. So it's got four seasons, but the winter is relatively mild. The winter Mm. was sort of like what I remember winter being in southern Indiana, but with less snow. I think it snowed once that I've been here, and it lasted for like one day before it melted. Mm. So the summers, though, they can be hot. You can get up to like 40 degrees Celsius. I don't know what that is oh, anymore. I think that's... Uh, it's hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very hot. All right. So you want, and, yeah, you want air conditioning and you want heat. And some people use the same machine for both. There are these air conditioners that also spew out heat. Okay. Is, is paying for AC and heat, is that expensive there? Yeah, I was just going to ask that. From my perspective, no, but I'm not sure. I have a slightly higher than usual electric bill. It's about 67 a month if you average it over the year. It's higher in the winter because I have a fancy eating system. I have a big fireplace and inside the fireplace is a second water heater that's heated with electricity and then a pump moves that hot water through the radiators. If I didn't want to use the electricity, I could light a fire in the fireplace and that would heat the water in this tank. So I would use less electricity. I'm paying for a little more power than most people do for heating. A lot of people just use those air conditioners that heat. But I've got actual radiators that hot water has to be pumped through and then hot water has to be heated, which is an expensive thing. Okay. Okay. So that's not diff- that different from the uh, European countries. I guess your your bills are, I mean, they're lower than the U.S., but they're they're still on par with the other it European countries. similar to what I was paying in Spain. Mm-hmm, so. mm-hmm. Yeah. And also with the war in Ukraine, a lot of the costs have gone up, we understand. I think that they just got a connection with Azerbaijan, I think, for some oil as well. So that may be going down. Okay. 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 And so Bulgaria is a former communist country. How do you think that's affected life there? For one, it created my amazing apartment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the approach yeah, that's to a building. good thing. Yeah. These very sturdy, family-friendly apartments that are connected by little walking paths yeah. that are not pretty to look at, but are a good quality of life once you're inside. In terms of the mindset of the culture, 
For me, I mesh well, Silver, with people from former communist countries because I'm a little bit cynical and so are they. And they have good reason to be. Okay. And I'm a little distrustful of government and so are they. <laughs> and mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so, for example, COVID was a very different experience in Bulgaria than it was in Spain. Oh. Much fewer restrictions because people simply would not obey them. That's how it was explained to me. <laughs> They're not going to even try to impose these laws, but also the government itself is kind of like, you know, we're going to manage this a different way. So there was a lot more freedom here from a lot of the uh, regulations that are common in Western Europe. In fact, if you meet foreigners from Western Europe, some of them have chosen Bulgaria for what they perceive to be less intrusive government. It's also financially better managed government because I think the GDP to debt ratio is like 25% for debt to GDP. Yeah. Whereas Spain is like beyond in debt. They're a hundred and something yeah. percent <laughs> and mm-hmm, constantly mm-hmm. asking for handouts. And Bulgaria yeah. is just kind of like, we don't have a lot of money, but we're going to want it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a very good assessment. So we've covered a lot, and I am sure that there's so much more. But can you tell us what, in your experience, what would you recommend for folks who wish to move abroad? I know that's a tough one because you've yeah. gone through so much. I've made so many mistakes is what I did. <laughs> oh, yeah. What, like what? Why don't you My main mistake was Spain. I feel bad that I kind of crash Spain sometimes when people ask me about it because I chose it, again, out of laziness more than anything. I wanted to be in Europe and I spoke Spanish. And that is it. If you speak Spanish and you want to yeah. be in Europe, that, that's it, Spain. <laughs> Right, right. So it's not fair to the country. Mm. And I think that some people choose countries, especially people from the West, for their cachet. I'm moving to Spain. Sounds a lot more impressive than I'm moving to Romania. Mm. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whereas in Romania, actually, and Bulgaria as well, the economy is growing faster than the economies of Western Europe. The happiness of people is increasing faster than the happiness is measured in Western Europe. Oh, that's interesting. It's yes. the place to be for like... It's especially tech business, I should have said. Bulgaria has excellent internet. You can get fiber optic internet in the villages. Wow. My my cost for internet, I think, what is it? $15 a month, something like that. My phone is like $5.50 a month. My phone. Wow. They've got that down because they're attracting a lot of internet businesses. So, so good. my this is a long way of saying my recommendation would be you need to look closely at the country and the culture because you will be living with the people. And mm-hmm. to choose it because it's shiny or it's stylish or it's impressive to be able to say, I bought a villa in Portugal. Be honest with yourself. Is that why you're looking at Portugal because it has the cachet mm-hmm. or... <laughs> And also, yeah, and I encourage people really to consider Eastern Europe, Mm -hmm. Romania, Bulgaria, the Baltics, Slovenia is very nice place. They also have a lot of trees. They have higher taxes Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. their traditional culture isn't what I like, but, you know, everybody (laughs) has their thing. (laughs) So, you know, be open to the kind of culture that you're attracted to, the kind of food you're attracted to, because everywhere in Europe, you have the European thing of being able to sit on a sidewalk and have a cafe, a coffee. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, they think, oh, it's so European. I get to take it easy and have a coffee. And Plovdiv is famous for that. They have a, a Bulgarian term specifically for how you just hang out and float even drink coffee. <laughs> what is so it? So it's not something that you have to go to Spain. What is Yuck. it? Alyak? I'm not sure I'm saying it right. Okay. Okay. So you would say to someone, whatever the verb, and then Alyak, <laughs> and you know, it's like, okay, I'll see you in a few. So so you can go to a, a cafe and just sit and have a cup of coffee for hours? And yes. they won't, oh, yeah. they won't throw you out or anything? Oh, no. In fact, oh, you wow. have to say, hey, could I have the check? Hey, hello. <laughs> and, and there's enough space in the establishment to allow people just to... 
there know. are a lot of tables outdoors because the, ah. the climate is pretty moderate most of the year. And in the winter, they'll put heaters outdoors for oh. the outdoor tables, okay. which is also something to warn people about, though. The kind of person who does not succeed in, in the Balkans in general, maybe Eastern European, Europe in general, if you think that like people who smoke are terrible people, you're going to hate like a third of your neighbors <laughs> if they smoke. <laughs> right, so right, if you're right. sitting at an outdoor cafe, somebody could sit down at the table right next to you and light up. You have to just accept that's how it's going to be. And yeah. if it bothers yeah. you, you can move to another table. Yeah. You, right. don't, you, you can't lecture them. You can't say, oh, no, no, yeah. no. Right. That's not right. how it works. <laughs> that's an excellent point. Here, we're so used to non-smoking yeah. that when someone does light up next to me, it's unusual. Yeah. Right. It's certainly not in a restaurant. I mean, that would be that's all illegal now. And even in most hotels. But outdoors so, they can. Right. Oh, no, I guess they can't. Right. You know, the outdoors they can. I mean, people. But there are far fewer smokers. Yeah. yeah. I, I would say certainly around here. I mean, none of my neighbors smoke that much. I know. Well, they may smoke, but, you know, not cigarettes. <laughs> Yeah, we have found a few skunks around. And in general, even when we travel, airports, I mean, smoking is prohibited. But it, that's interesting. In certain countries, it's the culture. It's acceptable. And But it's and, also, I mean, there is there are non-smoking and smoking sections in a restaurant. Mm -hmm. And sometimes mm -hmm. you have to walk through the smoking section to get to the non-smoking section. Right. So I know people who won't even do that. Right. So oh, don't come. All right. Just don't come. <laughs> right. right. Sure, sure, sure. No, understood. Understood. My other recommendation to people mm. thinking of moving, do not choose a country for its price tag. First, it's insulting to the country and its people. Yes. Mm -hmm. But second, you're going to be unhappy because if you choose a place just because it seems economical to you, yeah. it's not going to have the sparkly, shiny, sophisticated stuff that you might feel entitled to. And yeah. so before I left, I, I lived in a trailer in the U.S. for like eight years. Mm -hmm. And my neighbors were people who live in trailers. And then I built a house. Bulgaria is fine. You know, I feel like, okay, it's a little bit like that. I was fine living in a trailer. I am fine living in a commie block. I'm not saying a commie block is like a trailer. It's much nicer. <laughs> yeah. But there are people who come from other countries who want to have a fancy right here cheap and they want to buy the sparkly things. And then they complain because the sparkly things are, they break or yeah. you can't find it. There's many sparkly things. Yeah. Right, <laughs> and when right. you go to a restaurant, the, the waiters do not kneel before you and genuflect. <laughs> Right. They barely right. acknowledge your existence. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. It's a different type of lifestyle. I like it because it feels more honest to me. And I like that the rules can be flexible. Mm -hmm. I went to Basel, Switzerland over Christmas and everything mm -hmm. was so fancy and the buildings were so shiny yeah. and everything was so expensive looking like it had been polished with fistfuls of euros. Mm -hmm. And I was mm -hmm. actually uncomfortable. So yeah. if you're that kind of person where you're in Basel and you're going, yeah, it's impressive, but I don't want to touch anything, right. then move east. <laughs> yeah. east. No, I totally get what you're saying when you yeah. say sparkly or shiny. I, I so get what you're saying and I and I appreciate oh, yeah. it. Depends where you are. <laughs> you, you should be comfortable where you are every day. Yeah. And if it means, you know, you visit somewhere. I mean, we, we interviewed a really nice person in Switzerland, but you do need a ton of money to live there. Yeah. And you can get that scenery or that elsewhere. Like I always say to Jean, I don't care if where we're going for dinner is a hole in a wall, so long as the people are nice. And that's what, you know, attracts people. And I think it makes for a much more richer experience, you know, than being around what I call phonies. Yeah. Okay, great, great. Well, Kathy, have we left anything out? 
I, I just want to put in a plug for the Bulgarian people. Yes. Because yes. there is a stereotype that they are Romanians and others in the Eastern, former Eastern Bloc, are rough or sour looking because they don't smile at you constantly. <laughs> you know, when you come into a shop, maybe they aren't going to greet you with this really big grin. But what that is, is it just a, a surface level reserve. As soon as you start talking to them, especially if you're trying your Bulgarian and you sound like a toddler, they <laughs> warm to you immediately. <laughs> Most of them. Anyway, there's people everywhere that are not warm. But right. now that my neighbors have been extremely helpful to me, very patient with my bad Bulgarian. Everybody, like on public transport, except for the bus drivers, has been really nice. <laughs> so there's that stereotype of the stern, cold Bulgarian or Romanian is not correct at all. And especially once you get into Bulgarian social groups. And if you look at what they post on Facebook, it's all those sparkly floral things. <laughs> it's like all these gushing things that I associate more with Latin countries. Uh-huh. They'll publish all that. So yeah. And yeah. they have great celebrations, you know, big big festival party for the children just a couple of days ago. Mm -hmm. When your kid goes to school on the first day of school, it's a huge deal. When they graduate, it's a huge deal. Well, I think you've done Bulgaria proud. I mean, I so. really, really. <laughs> no, no, uh, and it's interesting what you say about the people because the other person that we interviewed in Provets, also sweet, lovely. You know, just all around nice. I'm glad that we're, if anything, that we're shattering some of that stereotype. And, yeah. and that's really good. Okay. Well, listen, we really want to thank you for the time that you've given us. And I learned a lot from this episode. You know, oh, yeah. I know Gene has as well. He's nodding his head. And we want to fully stay in touch. Please let us know if anything new happens. Thank you. Thank you for spending yes. this time with us. Thank you so much. That was really interesting. Yeah, yeah, that was great. Well, thank you guys for for having me on. Yeah. All right. Take care. You bye -bye. too. Okay. Bye. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you know someone who's relocated for retirement and wishes to share their story with us, please reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Our email address is gg at retirethere.com. Our website is retirethere.com. And you may follow us on Twitter at retirethere underscore. Now, if you've liked our show, please subscribe and rate it in Apple Podcasts. In the meantime, be well. Be well.